Hey nurses, welcome to the Nurse Doc Podcast, giving nurses validation, resources, and hope one episode at a time. Welcome back to part two of this very special two-part series. Cause at the beginning of this interview, as you were talking about your wife and what she has done for you and how strong she's been, you got a little choked up because you said that you heard her crying in another room and breaking down and that, that she didn't want to do that in front of you. It sound, sounds like she wanted to be away and go into another room and have that time to grieve by herself. How is that for you having to be so... You talk a lot about vulnerability. Vulnerability is a really tough thing. It's tough for most people in the world being vulnerable. How have you learned how to be vulnerable? How have you learned how to accept care from people? I think that was the first time that I realized this wasn't just my journey. Yes, I had a fight. I'm the one diagnosed with cancer. It's all about me. And then I realized I never realized what it's putting my wife through. And I think that kind of gave me an eye opener into that. It's like, you know, she just has a different battle than I do. And it doesn't mean that my battle is any easier or harder than hers because it's still both an emotional battle. So it's made us closer, I think. I've had friends who have uh, gotten cancer and their spouses or significant others couldn't deal with it. And they just left. And she did the opposite and she strapped on and she's ready to fight my fight. And I know if she could, she'd take my battle over, which I never wanted her to because I don't want her to go through what I went through. And I don't know if I could have gone through what she went through. I mean, lots of times I keep this to myself because when I talk about it or my uh, own journey, I do get uh, emotional uh, about it because you you think about your own mortality and, you know, whether you're going to die or not. And there have been so many times that they said, you know, this is all we have. The cancer is getting worse and you can feel it on my skull. The tumors are getting worse. So I'm vulnerable that way when I have to talk about it. Sometimes it's a little hard. And same thing when I talk about uh, Barb's journey and all that she's uh, done for me. And I know she realizes how much, you know, that I love her and appreciate that. And I think we've become best friends because of that. I know for my sake is that it's the, the friendships that are I have around me that has given me the energy to be able to make it through this. But also just watching Cosmo. I mean, he's just, he's incredible. His journey, this was not anything anybody ever expects to get, and especially at 40. And to have that journey and to be a strong individual that he is, he just motivates me more. We both realize that friendship, we've learned there are friends and then there's friends. (laughs) And you found that out really quick. And without their support, the support of Stacy and all the other friends that have been there for us, I don't know how Cosmo and I would have made this journey, how I would have had the energy to do it, how he would have had the power to get through with what he does. And not to mention... I think that we are very grateful for every second. There are worse things in life, and we are yeah. very, very blessed. And I think I, I've been lucky to have a job that's not physical because I can't ever do anything that's physical. And I've been able to practice law throughout this with, you know, very little misstep. So I've been lucky and blessed. So, you know, I've been in the right place, the right time. I mean, when I went to law school, I waited seven years. 
I just happened, you know, to come upon Barb. I would never have met her. I consider those God wings. The right people are put in your life at the right time. Sometimes they're taken out. I think that this is, it's so beautiful because I do a lot of interviews. I do a lot of podcast interviews. And also I was a pediatric oncology nurse. So I did a lot of oncology with kids for the first half of my career. And what I have seen throughout interviews, throughout my own experiences with patients and seeing the families, the ones that thrive, I think, you know, not just survive, lots of people can survive, but there are people who really flourish and thrive throughout difficult times. And the two consistent things that I see all the time is that gratitude and the connection, connection and gratitude, connecting to other people, your community, friends, neighbors, family, new people, meeting new people and being willing to open up and meet new people. And really that gratitude for some of the small things that we don't, we don't even think about. The fact that you said, Cosmo, just now, like, I'm so grateful that I have a job that, you know, that I chose a career <laughs> that has allowed me to practice throughout my 16 years of being ill. So Stacy, it's going to bounce this back over to you. How have you seen that just in terms of from your perspective as a nurse and practitioner and that gratitude and that connection? How do you see that in just how people thrive or survive in this world? Yeah, you nailed it right on the head because I feel if somebody is there and they're going through this by themselves, they don't have a support system because we've all seen that. I mean, you have the, you know, your kiddo that lost his leg and was in foster care. I mean, imagine how he feels. Who does he connect to? So there you were. And if somebody doesn't have that, I think that they just tend to kind of, and I want to say this wrong, but give up. What do I have to live for? What do I have to do? You know, like, why? Just because. I don't have anybody who cares about me. So yeah, or you you and I both know the mentality plays on your well-being in so many aspects of healthcare. And if your mindset isn't there, you may not do the things that you need to do to get better. You may not have that willpower to get up and go do PT and OT and learn how to do things. You know, obviously he's going to have a prosthetic and need to relearn how to do things without this leg now. And so if you've got that support system, you got somebody who's kicking you in the bum get up, let's go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And they feel like, okay, yeah, I've got that support. I've got a reason. And I think it's that gratitude. And those two are just absolutely amazing. And I never forgot Barb in this because Barb is still, it's their journey. I know she says, but it's their journey. It's just, she's walking next to him, but on a different type of road. You know, I would text, how are you doing? How's this? How's that? And then I would text Barb, but how are you feeling? What can I do? If you need to yell, if you need to holler, if you just want to cuss, if you want to have a bottle of wine, call me over, you know, um, <laughs> or or we'll just toast it, you know, from there. I think having that support system and the gratitude, it goes a long way. And I think it does help a lot of people because again, I go back to, I've seen so many people that didn't have anybody visiting them during some bad, bad times. And I think that their outcomes were a lot less than they could have been because they didn't have that person or people or support system, whatever you want to say. I've seen pets do an absolutely wonderful thing for people. It's whatever your thing is. Some people don't have kids. Some people don't have a wife, don't have a husband, don't have a spouse, doesn't whatever. And whatever it is that you need that support, whether it's just good friends or an animal, if you don't have that or it's restricted from you, I think that just negatively affects us. 
And being in, in nursing, you know that I worked cardiac ICU in the beginning and stuff. And then I did some oncology as well. After I did about five years of oncology after that. Um, it, it's just when you see that it's hard because you want to give these people, I want to give everybody their equal time. And I want to sit and I want to listen to them. And I want to learn about their lives because I feel if I make that connection with you, you're going to trust me and we're going to have a rapport. And, you know, I'm that one that, hey, listen, if I need to have a coming to Jesus talk with you, I will have that coming to Jesus talk. I mean, the doctors would be like, we've got a really difficult patient, so you need to take them. But it's that one of, you got to listen to people too. And you've got to feel it out. Are they going to be receptive to this? Maybe not now, but can we do it during another time when you're up, up to it a little bit better? Absolutely. Maybe not. But I just feel that there is that support mechanism that pushes people or pulls people in the directions you need to go this way or that way. I always think that, and I've said this to a couple of my friends who were either the parents to a child that I cared for, or they were the patient themselves, because I've done adult care as well. I've always said that there is something about when you meet people and they're just real and they're raw and things are just all stripped away. When you're in pain, you're going through life and death scenarios. You don't have time really to have a facade, to wear a mask, you know, that kind of all just gets stripped away. The benefit is, is that if you as the nurse are willing to strip yours away as well, the connection that is made or can be made is one that will last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so some of my strongest relationships and most authentic are really with those people that I've met when they haven't showered in two weeks and they, because they've been sitting at the bedside and they probably are like, I think I smell. And I'm like, yeah, you do. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, how about I sit here for a minute while you go shower? Hey there, nurses and nursing students. We know your job isn't just a profession, it's a calling. Now, with Nurse.com, your nurse life is all in one place. Imagine a world where career opportunities are tailored to your skills, where you can find peer support in the Nurse.com app, the only networking site built specifically for nurses. Continuing education, events, peer support, and jobs? What more can you ask for? Ready to take the leap into a role that is truly yours? Check out nurse.com forward slash jobs today. There's how many relationships do you get to have like that in your life? So it's such a blessing, right? To be able to have these types of real relationships, like the ones that that the three of you have, those are real relationships. Yep. I wanted to ask Cosmo, if you can, Cos, to recall a time, something that stands out to you. Like when you think about Stacy or when you think about Barbara, there's just this moment that comes up for you and you're like, you just remember what Stacy did for you in that moment. It was just something that will stay with you forever and ever and ever. And if someone asked you about her, you would recall that one experience that was very memorable for you. Do you have, do you have something probably like that? two experiences. Oh, be nice. Okay. You're not, you don't have to be nice. If it's memorable, it's memorable. Okay. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> Is no, it PG? 
is. My first recollection of Stacy was when I was not getting poked. You know, the nurses were taking some time. And I do remember that uh, after I did get poked, that they did put me in IV uh, Benadryl. And I remember the way that the amount that they used to give used to get me high. I used to slur my words. Mm -hmm. And I know I've said something inappropriate to Stacy during that time, and hopefully she's forgotten all that. Uh, nope. But <laughs> that's my first experience that I kind of remember that she made me feel at ease. And I can't remember what it was. Oh, I said something like, they might have set me up and got me the IV when I was with Dr. Gustafson, and they gave me the Benadryl there. I came out, I said, I want the hot one to take care of me. And I don't remember saying that, <laughs> but the nurse was wet and said, hey, he wants the hot one. And Stacy, of course, raised her hand, oh, he must want me. So that's <laughs> kind of my first, uh, and I remember that because I was kind of shocked that I said that, but it was a Benadryl talk. Not that you're not hot, but it was a Benadryl talk. <laughs> but the other one, and the most, I, I think, uh, one that was after she was in Joliet Oncology, and the one that we talked about at the Easter time is... I started getting sick pretty quickly, not sure what it was. I remember walking up the stairs uh, to my bed to go tell the bomb. I just laid in the bed and I started having the shakes so uncontrollably that my mouth and teeth were chattering. I started getting scared and then I got the worst migraine headache and I used to get them all the time. And uh, I remember Bob calling Stacy and to me, she got there like in the next minute. It may have been longer there. But I was so scared that they took my blood pressure. It was very high and I went very low normally. I think I had a fever. And obviously nobody knew what I had, whether it was COVID or not. But, you know, she treated it and she knew me enough when to yell at me and stuff, when to give me the calm words. But the calm words made my breathing calm. And then she was to give me something for my migraine headache. I probably shouldn't say that, but the headache went away within 10 minutes. And then she right away, I said, well, we're taking them to the hospital. Let's see, which is the one that we need to go to. And then when we got into the waiting room area, I was like, where's Bob? Oh, only one of us can be here. I was like, okay. To me, she was like family, so it didn't matter. But she was asking the right question. She was, you know, she knew about me enough to say everything that was going on. Now, we didn't know that it was a bacterial infection in the pick line, so they assumed they had COVID. And Stacey's like, I don't really think he's got COVID. But it was all that support. Without me saying anything, she was my advocate, coming as fast as she did, knowing, knowing that I was really scared and didn't know what was going on and whether I had COVID. And back then, during that time, everyone was dying from COVID. Mm -hmm. But she was there a split second. So those are my two strong memories of her nurse-wise. We won't say the other stuff, Dave. Okay. Uh, <laughs> nurse-wise. another type so, of podcast. Yeah. One that you have to be an adult. No, I'm that's just right. Saying. We have the Naughty Nurse Podcast that's also <laughs> available. So if you'd like to join the Naughty Nurse Podcast, we'll, you know, that's... As long as you can dress up in those half outfits, whatever they have, we're good to go. Oh, it's a requirement. It's requirement. It's the Halloween costume, the oh whole boy. thing. And just to he kind did. of finish it up, whatever, I'm not 100% sure because I don't like to bother Stacy or something. We'll call her for the advice right away and say, hey, we got this going on. Hey, he's got his bandage and it's itching bad. And Bob gets nervous, would you mind coming over and uh, changing it? You know, and she would find out this line is nasty. 
who's been oh, cleaning yeah. it so she would clean it i mean god put her in our life and, and she's been you know not just our nurse but our good friend oh i love that and i would never i would never have given over to anybody but stacy at that emergency room but i knew that stacy was going to be a strong advocate and she knew all the medical stuff that was going on with covid it's like no stacy's the person that needs to go in there because that's what's the best interest of cosmo She's like a sister wife. She's literally like the next best thing to a sister wife. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Jeff's okay too. We don't mind having Jeff around either. <laughs> yep. I love it. I love it. So what about similarly for your wife? When you look back over this entire journey and it could be like a really big moment or it could be like a really small moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember that happening or where you look back on it and you say, oh my gosh, that moment, that was, that really stuck out for me. Well, I'll probably get a little emotional. I remember one of these chemos that I was on was a very, very harsh chemo. And I could walk two feet without gasping for air, but I refused to let cancer beat me. So I would go to court like that and it would be difficult and people could see it. And I remember driving home one day, I started thinking about what I'm going through, what I've gone through. I remember getting home and sitting on my bed and just crying uncontrollably. And that's not like me uh, to do that. Uh, I called Barb and said, I've had enough. And then I hung up and she came home. I was begging God to take me. I couldn't go through it anymore. It was more than just the treatment, the pain but the emotional trauma that it causes on you. I just didn't want to live anymore. And I remember Barb getting home and I was you know, upstairs uh, crying and she calmed me down. Uh, I said, I just don't, I, I just can't take this anymore. And just her being there uh, raised my spirits enough where I started fighting back against it. But uh, I remember that sticks out because I really, really wanted God to take me at that point. I couldn't take it anymore. And that was a very emotional for me. And she was stronger than I, I thought she would be. And that was, I think, the one experience that sticks out. And that wasn't very long ago, to be honest with you. So and I think that's the experience that uh, it always be within me because things got better after that. And I had better days and made memories. But if it were up to me, I, I would have liked to have gone at that time. I guess it wasn't your time yet. I guess you still got more stuff to do. Hopefully to help others. Yep. Say that too is somebody knows that I have most myeloma. So would you mind talking to a friend of mine that was recently diagnosed? I'm not one that likes to do that, to be honest with you. And it took me like a month to call him. So I called him and we must have spent over an hour and a half on the phone going over my experiences, telling what I wish I did. And then he says, one of the doctors I'm interviewing is Dr. Maida. So I was able to talk to him about him being out of the box. So I was able to give something back to somebody else here. I didn't realize I had that in me because it's difficult to do that. And they're on maternity. I'm not very vocacious, so I'm not very talkative. But sharing and helping somebody else through what I've already been through, that felt good for me to do. Maybe we need to just have just a full podcast of you talking about multiple myeloma. Because I think that what you're... What you're saying is that, you know, you do have this opportunity, the longer you live, the more of an opportunity you have to be able to inspire others and give hope. On this podcast, what we say is providing nurses with 
validation, resources, and hope one episode at a time. And I think that that's what you do. I think that you inspire and you provide hope to those around you and strength to those that are around you. Barbara said it earlier about she finds her strength in you. And so keep doing what you're doing because you're doing something right, my friend. I think it's the people around me, the good doctors, the good nurses, putting me on the direction of where I should be going. Without that, I don't think I would be around. And I think everything we've done in our life has prepared us for that moment. I used to be a big weightlifter, used to be an avid uh, runner. And I think even though I had to stop all the things I like to do, it prepared me for the journey that I had. So I, I don't think you realize what life did for you to get you to where you are today. But let me add to that, that this man used to irritate me and still does. But when he was really sick, I try. He does a darn good job at it, too. God love you, <laughs> my little buddy. Anyways, so this man, despite his biggest thing is, you know, I want to work out. I was like, cause that is not even your battle right now. But I want to work out. But I want to work out. But I want to work. And he'll be working out. He's so tired. He's sick. He's this. And I'm like, the last thing you need to be doing is working out. And but yet he gets up. You know, I wasn't able to lift because of the tumors and everything, and then had some issues and, you know, spontaneous fracture, a spontaneous fracture, getting on a flight from Florida, which <laughs> yeah, that was an ordeal. And so, you know, here he is, that's his focus. Like, I want to do this. And yet here he is also going to court. And I'm like, no, stop. You have a group of you guys that can do this. He won't, he won't let them. He won't let them. He went and he would not stop. I don't want cancer to beat me. That's for sure. I know. But even at that, it's like, you got to rest. No, nope, I'm good. Okay. And and Barb knows, Barb would be like, I tried, let him, if this is what yeah. he needs to do. And I was like, okay. It gives him a different focus. You know, if you if all it you does. do is sit around the house and just think about your cancer, it's going to kill you. And like Dr. Mehta said, when I get back from our transplant or something, we're there and he turns to Barb. He went back to work, didn't he? And Bob's like, yes, you know him very well. It's like, yeah. I'm okay with it. That's what gets me moving. And I think I heal faster by doing things like that. Well, you're, you're living. I, I think that that's what I see and what I hear when I listen to their stories about you and, and your stories is that you're just choosing to keep living instead of waiting to die. That's the difference. And I think as nurses, Stacey and I both have this mentality sometimes where it's, okay, but you got to like let your body recover. And isn't there a happy medium here somewhere between sleeping and going and running a marathon? <laughs> you know, it's like, is there somewhere in the middle? And I think what I've learned, and Stacey's probably learned this as well, is that sometimes there isn't and that people die the way they lived. I'm an end of life nurse. I work with people who are imminently dying and the ones that the wives or the family members will say, oh my God, my husband is so stubborn. He's just like, you know, he's always been this way and he's done this and he's done that and he's built, the, he built a whole house or he did this, that. And I was like, well, then it explains why he somehow managed to stand up to pee in a urinal when he's like literally hours from death. And I would say, God, I'm just so worried that he's going to like fall on the ground and die on the ground with a urinal in his hand. And I had a, a wife say, well, that's the way he'd want to go. <laughs> and I was like, that's fair. I mean, like if he wants to with urine all over the place, she's like, he'd probably want me to clean it up. I, I will zip you up. up. Yeah, I will yeah. zip you up. I promise. 
Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the standard is just at least make sure I'm zipped up. I'm in my pants, you know, but if I'm on the floor and the urinals all over the place, like that's it. I want to make sure that that was my dignity. I didn't want to pee in a diaper at the very end, you know, and that's on us to have to let go. Yeah. Sometimes we just have to let go and and shrug our shoulders and go, well, it's your life, your choice. It's your life. Absolutely. Well, this has been such a beautiful interaction between the three of you. I've really enjoyed hearing each of you have like just a different perspective, a different story, something that was so memorable. Is there any last parting words that any one of you would like to say? Like you wanted to go on the record. You want to make sure that you get a chance to say it. Just the one thing I'd probably say to anybody that's watching or that may be new to a disease. The relationships that you create with your doctors and nurses, it gives you trust and you know that you can believe in what direction they're given. If you don't do that, if you don't know them, you know, a little bit personally, then that's on you because you're going to heal much better if you have confidence in your healthcare providers. That was beautifully said. And I could not have said that better. That was just, thank you so much. Thank you all three of you for coming and being with me this afternoon and It really has been such an honor and a privilege. And Cosmo, just, I hope you've got like another 16 at least years in you. I'm hoping (laughs) whatever God has for me. (laughs) You could outlive me. Energize are funny. They are great people though. They're beautiful. And I wish all of our patients could be like this, but uh, (laughs) everybody's unique, but these guys are great. They're very respectful, but they also have like, hey, this is my life. This is his life. And Give us the options, let us decide. And that's what it should be. We're surrounded by great friends. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you all so much. Until next time. Thanks, Kara. Thank you. Thanks, Kara. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. If you are a nurse or nursing student who enjoyed this episode, don't forget to join us on the nurse.com app, where you can find the nurse.discussion group, a place where we dissect each episode in detail and delve deeper into today's topics. Nurse Dot is a Nurse.com original podcast series. Production, music, and sound editing by Don Lunsford. Production coordination by Rhea Wade. Additional editing by John Wells. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in to the Nurse Dot podcast. Until next time, keep spreading the love and the care.